I mean, what everything's all about the world. So I did see Washer video after last week, though, so he, he said. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Iron Radio. This is Phil Stevens, powerlifter, strength coach, Highland Games athlete, and uh, make all kinds of things for all kinds of people. Hey, what's going on? This is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm a social professor of the Kerrigan Institute, uh, creator of the Gonzo Grip Strength product, Adam Glass, and working on midterm grades, still in South Padre, Texas, where it's been colder, uh, not cold, I guess you could say, the coldest it's been is 53 degrees, rainy and windy, but we've been uh, kiteboarding in the rain every day, literally. (laughs) Yeah, 53 is pretty chilly for outdoors water events, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was a little that was a little colder when you have you know thirty mile per hour wind gusting to thirty six. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that was a little chilly. And the, yeah. the worst part is my eyeballs were so red the next day because they just got pelted with rain <laughs> as you're trying to ride like thirty miles an hour. <laughs> Coach Drell out of Springfield in Kansas City. Um, Wait, right now it's mostly weightlifting and working on, still working on gym ownership nonsense. So. <laughs> there you go. Only news I got is we had a meet last week, so I coached one of my lifters. There was a Special Olympics. USPA, once a year in Kansas City, is starting to throw a meet that is just for Special Olympians. Um, so a couple of my guys signed up. One of them, only one of them came. But, uh, yeah, had a good weekend there, and uh, he got PRs on all of his lifts. Nice. Uh, he went eight eight for nine. He missed a deadlift over. He was just being dumb. Uh, <laughs> so basically what he did is go up, and he was like, wanted a certain song played. And they forgot to do it. So then they were putting on the certain song. And then while they were doing it, he went in and got his breath and went down for the deadlift bar. And he's crouched down there in that crouch position and just waiting on the song to start for like a minute and a half. <laughs> started and then he pulled and of course it just went bad. Uh, so after that one, I was like, you're not requesting another song. I said, you just go up there and pull and whatever damn song's playing. And he did it and it worked fine. But, uh, oh, those, those meets, I wish, like if you wanted to take somebody to a first time ever powerlifting meet to see if they like it, it would be one of these. Because all the athletes are just so happy and so supportive and they, like they all celebrate after they're done like they just broke a world record. It's freaking it's an amazing atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So and just everybody helping everybody. Uh, it, it's a blast. Uh, there were everybody from. You know, it's not just people with downs or highly autistic. There was people missing a leg. There were blind people. There were deaf people. There were, you know, so anybody that's in the spectrum of Special Olympics. So it was a lot of fun. And they kept the rules pretty, uh, pretty strict, like you should, um, cause I've been to some of the Special Olympic stuff and it's just the Special Olympic stuff here in Kansas. That's all I can speak of is, uh, that's ran by the state organization is, is very poor in the fact that they're like judging is super spotty. They let things fly five foot high mm-hmm. squats, squats, things like that. And then the kids here, then they get an invite to the national meet mm. and then the national meet is under USAPL rules. And so they excel locally yeah, they and go do the same thing at the national meet and they just, they don't understand why nothing yeah. passes. Um, so they did some good ones. And th- th- there was one guy and I was glad the judges did this. Uh, there was one guy that had an amputation just at the knee. So he had one leg that was from the knee down was, false and uh he missed his first two squats high and he's squatting he's probably 250 pounds and he's squatting like 225 and the last one was still probably two three inches high and they let him have it and i was like thank you just like he's not breaking a record he's not yeah 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 he's not moving on to anything just let him have a good day and uh yeah i went over and thanked the judges for that i was like i'm glad you guys did that because you did just crush the guy yeah Uh, Oh, it's, it's some th- things like that. I don't mind seeing him let it go. You know, yeah. he's not breaking a record. He's not moving on from this total to anything big. He's not beating anybody else. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, that was good. But other than that, that was my weekend and week, the highlights as far as training goes. So, 
What about you guys? Anything going on? Our training is all geared around American Open. There you go. It's in Atlanta, so the you know, weightlifting and strip clubs for us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, good food down there in Atlanta too, that I imagine. South South has good food. I need to go back down south. Yeah. Um and that's our that's our main thing. I'm still kinda of neck deep in transitioning stuff to be honest. But I mean that's as far as training goes, it's the only exciting thing I got going on. Yeah. It's the AL finals and then making a starting to make a big run towards really just having a fully operational training facility. Ooh. You know, I heard again yesterday, and this maybe this is just like a this is a rant, but I heard it again yesterday. It was like, like, oh, you should get some powerlifting equipment in here, and I was like, okay, like, <laughs> like oh no, the calib like calibrated plates. Oh god, got plate, it, right, and then so. And then the squat, so the, this is a dude. Squat is at 355. He was asking for calories. I was like, Oh God. My dude. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did I, I, look, this is like somewhat new in, in terms of like when I started coaching people, I didn't really hear any of this at all. But now I've heard it for like weightlifting, powerlifting. It's like, Oh, yeah. you don't have the, you don't have the right. Plates? I, I can't train. Yeah, it's what? a new thing. It's a new thing. Yeah, he can't train. Well, yeah. it's like there, and like there are places. Look, it's like if that's such a big deal to you, like you know, JP's place is open. Like by all means, go over there, strong barbell club or whatever. But powerlifting and weightlifting have weightlifting. Else, you you do you should train with a uh, a bearing bar. Like you should definitely train yes. with a bar that spins, oh, like yeah. to not mess up your shoulders. So I get that. If you didn't have that, I'll forget that. Yes. But otherwise, it's just bar plates and attitude. Like that's what <laughs> that's like the value of all these sports. And most and like every, the, oh yeah, good gym I've seen like they have calibrated plates. Like I have calibrated plates. Guess where they're at all year? They're packed the fuck away so nobody messes with them. Yeah, <laughs> they're too goddamn expensive. So most yeah. of them, like JPs, I know. Yeah, they have them. You know what they use them for? Just for meats. You know? Yeah, <laughs> because they're like eight dollars a pound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like the fine china, which yeah, I thought we were leaving behind with our parents. You know, I thought we were done with that as millennials and <sighs> Gen Zers. I thought we were done with the fine china thing, but <laughs> I can't tell you like. Just the, the and I've heard it as like wait like oh you don't have kilo plates like yeah the, the gravity is going to be so much different on these yeah. pounds. <laughs> there's no way you could win a national title lifting only in pounds if yeah. only someone would do that study that was like dude this is the dumbest like this is the kilos. dumbest modern lifting thing I can even imagine like it's just so stupid kilos are a little more aerodynamic yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the gravitation just doesn't pull on them the same. It's, yeah, it's, it's like so. It's like, dude, do you have an attitude? Do you want to train hard? You can, you can show up and win. Matter of fact, I actually would prefer that you train with not the best equipment, so that way when you get there, you're like, oh man, this is like this is great. Yeah, yeah, this is easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, these, that is, you know, it does. On that same note, I mean that it does pay off in meets because, like in powerlifting meets, the plates are about three quarters of an inch higher. Mm-hmm. The competition plates. And you can feel that difference when you go in there. I mean, it's it doesn't seem like much, but that little bit of height on deadlift and then on squat and things, it's because they're calibrated. And once you get into the six, seven, eight hundred pounds, they're closer to the bar. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not as much get up there and weight. Yeah, once you get up there and weight, there's not (laughs) as much force and bouncing around on there. So it does make a difference that like squat bars and things. Um, I remember I went to. God, where did I go? Because I'm used to squatting on a squat bar, a really stiff squat bar. And I went somewhere, and all they had was a regular bar. Holy crap balls. That was scary. <laughs> I squatted like 750, and it was just bouncing all over the place. I was like, that is sketchy as fuck. Um, 
I know why people like squat bars, and that's the same thing with deadlift bars. Like, you hear people that are, you know, they're, I don't know, they're a 315 puller or something like that, and there's no difference. Yeah, there isn't a difference at your weight. <laughs> you get five, 600 pounds on there, and there's, you know, that bar will bend three, four inches before it cracks the floor. It makes a huge difference, and that's like, but that's also why, like, you're talking about people want to train with the best plates. That's why my deadlift bar is now locked away. We're training away from the meat. We train without that damn thing because it's that stiff bar's a lot harder off the floor. Yeah. And then four or five weeks out, we bring it back in just to get used to the whip of the bar. Uh, so I train that way for a long time, like always use a stiff bar on my pulling and then uh, you know, pull out the deadlift bar then. It makes you a lot stronger off the floor. So... But even just used to the, the vibe of strength training in general just used to be like, I don't know, like kind of a, you know, tough guy, no excuses type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that, the, the posh, mm, I don't have the right place. Like that, <laughs> that, that, that attitude is just like, it, it kills me because yeah. a lot of these people don't even show up to meets either. Yeah. Unless there's, unless there's just a ton of hype around it. It's like, are you who are you doing this for? Like, are you doing this for yourself? Like, what are you doing it for? And he, like the guy who's, I almost was like, why do you want calibrated plates on Instagram? Your bar would look embarrassing with mm-hmm. calibrated. Yeah, I mean, you need, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> think he should want some like high temp rubber bumpers. Yeah, you yeah, six inches thick. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, oh man, and I, I'd look. See the. I got to lift with the leak of the right. It's like, dude, I can't even listen to it anymore. I'm just like, all right, just get out. Dude. Like, I can't. And, look, powerlifting, for me, here's the thing. That if you come in with the right attitude, I will love to coach you in powerlifting. Yep. But if you have – if you're one iota away, I, I fucking can't stand powerlifting meets just, like, <laughs> in general. Like, there, there's – as a coach, it's like, yeah, you're guiding your athletes and stuff, but it's, there's no game to it, like, weightlifting. Yeah. It's like I'm here for you. It's like just yeah. that's it. This because I want to see you succeed. Yeah, I, coach I, has I, no like, control on a powerlifting meet. Yeah, I have no, I have no interest in like growing. You know, being a part of growing powerlifting, I'll get more into like growing the sport of weightlifting in our area. But powerlifting, no, no, I'm not going to be like. I'm here for the the athlete. Like, oh, well, that was always the simplistic thing about it. I mean. It was just like in powerlifting, you just needed, okay, maybe a belt, belt, a bar, and some weights, man. You're good to go. You know, that's all you needed. And those weights, hell, you could just, it, the weights could be anything. Concrete, I don't care. It's just weight. You know, yeah, you look at all videos, look at all the videos from Westside and Ed Cohn that's and all those guys. Say. There are nobody using calibrated plates. No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, how many of them were lifting at like the YMCA? You know what I mean? Like, how many old stories do you hear? Like, they're like, yeah, the YMCA was the place that had yep. a rusty squat rack, you know? Yep. They had they fucking just, those old squat stands that were just wheels. <laughs> old wheels with cement on a pole. You know, it didn't adjust height or anything. You just, good luck. So, except for four <laughs> foot eight. So everybody uses yeah. the same fucking thing. <laughs> so we set it at the lowest lifter, the shortest lifter. But, uh, yeah, now the two things you need. For today's powerlifters, is the right equipment and a good Wi-Fi connection, so they can post <laughs> their shit, and then yeah. that's how you become a powerlifter. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's taking a sad turn, and I've talked about it with people. I like I love powerlifting, and but I miss what it was in ways. I love that it's bigger and there's more meets and they fill up fast and things like that. But the people doing it have changed dramatically. It's become very hipster. And like I said, you used to go to meet and you'd worry about getting beat up. (laughs) Oh, you worried about what you said and things like that. And it was just, it was all hardcore people there. There's going to be nosebleeds. There's going to be yelling. There's going to be screaming. And now it's like there's people that change their singlet for every event. You know, they have a squat deadlift and uh, bench singlet and it's a fashion show along with it and uh, so I mean it's it's good and bad of course but yeah. and it'll take a swing the other direction it seems like it's going down a little bit like it's two years ago it was at it's pinnacle 
And now you're seeing a lot of powerlifters switch to, uh, oddly enough, fitness events like uh, bodybuilding and physique events. Mm. So seems to be kind of taking a resurgence, but. I mean, I just think about all the the video <clears throat> the videos I've seen over the day. Both any strength athlete, whether it's Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, you know, Dorian Yates for bodybuilding, like it seems like almost all products were old. Almost all the top people came out of like the more hideous and like your risk of hepatitis and walking oh, yeah. was higher. <laughs> like it seems like almost all the strongest mammals came out of those places. <laughs> yeah, they came out of shitholes. You know, yeah. Or prisons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah, now it's like boutique training. But I, but I get it. Like, you want somewhere where you don't have to worry. I mean, I've been to a couple gyms where I won't say their name, but it was a powerlifting gym, and they had put a, a pull-up bar in, and their ceilings, let's say, were not real tall. Mm-hmm. And they put the pull-up bar close to the ceiling, and they realized that if you actually did a pull-up on it, you'd hit your head on the ceiling. Yeah. So they just took the ceiling tiles out of that place so that you would stick your head through the ceiling, ceiling. <laughs> to do your pull-ups. <laughs> you go. And that's, that's what it's all about, man. They're getting yeah. the job done. So. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's a different day, man. It's a different day, and people are doing it for. That's the sad thing, and that's. I think that's also why you see a lot of people come and go more. They're not yeah. into it for the love of the sport. They're no. into it for the external view they're getting from people. Yeah, the clicks. So that's what they're in for. They're they're into it for the internet clicks. And uh, apparently, if you don't have the right plates, you don't get hits. So, I broke a. Uh, I broke the Instagram algorithm about a month ago, and I don't even know how I did it. Like, my average video gets, like, 100 views over a month. And I put up a fucking video of me throwing a sheaf. And within a few days, it's had, like, 2,000 views and likes. Oh, wow. Like, what the fuck did I do? And still to this day, like, every day I go in there and it'll have 50 more likes a day. And I did nothing new. I have no clue. But whatever it is with that video, it connected to their algorithm or the right person Saw it. Maybe it's a word I used. I don't know. But uh, I went viral. Wow. <laughs> Unintentionally <big> viral. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I was definitely not using the best equipment in the world. I mean, I'm throwing a hay bale with a <laughs> rusty pitchfork in a <laughs> pair of shorts and a tank top. So uh, I, I didn't I didn't do what they're doing. But Some places they call that actual like farm work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's my favorite event in Highland Games, Chief. But uh, yeah. Anyways, what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about events and meaning like conferences, seminars, things like that, um, and training even in today's, what would we call this? Everybody calls it the new world today. In person or uh, online. So, and it's like, we just went to the Swiss and they had a good turnout. I don't know what the turnout was compared to, uh, other years because I'm not privileged to that information. I don't think they just give that out, but I know there were quite a few people there, but uh, I know Mike, you were talking about, there's numerous people that, you know, have thrown events and like people just aren't showing up and the live feed things are becoming more and more, more and more popular. But I don't know to me. I always think about live feeds, but then I just don't do them. Yeah. Whereas at the event, and I think it's because, like, I loved the Swiss, and I listened to, I don't know, however many talks I'd listened to over two days. I was stuck in a room, so I had to listen to them. But I, I got the room I wanted, so I wanted to listen to them anyways. But even with that information that you get in these hours of talking, the best thing that comes every single time that out of these events and going to the Arnold and going to the Olympia and going to anything like this it's not the event itself. It's the time afterwards with the people. Oh yeah. And that's where the and that's what you miss, in my opinion, with a live stream thing. Like you don't go have dinner with Ed Cohn and you know, things like that. And honestly, that's where the real gems come out, in my opinion. Uh that's where the golden information comes from. And when when you get people to sit down and relax, or even in the hallway, 
Like yeah. Jim was out in the hallway hugging babies and stuff. And mm-hmm. people, he would give people 20 minutes of his time and just sit there and talk. And like that is really, I guarantee you those people, that's what they will remember from that event, not his talk. They'll pull a couple of golden nuggets out of his talk, but what they're going to carry on the rest of their life is the personal time spent and the conversations they have um, and the gems they pulled out of that. So that's the problem I see with it, but I think you're right. I mean, I don't know. You were saying before the show that COVID was kind of a, we were expecting that once things opened up, that people just come in droves uh, to live events because they're itching to get out of their houses. But, uh, I don't know. The Arnold kind of proved that was wrong because I thought it might blow up this last year. Yeah. And it was like half the size it was before. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to it this year. And in part, I think that's their own fault for how they treated the years before that. Yeah. Because they pissed off a lot of people when they shut down like two days before the event was supposed to happen. <laughs> so they lost a ton of booths and stuff. But uh, I don't know. What are you guys seeing? I mean, my my prediction, which I think is wrong, was, you know, after COVID, like people have been cooped up in the house, like you said, and they're going to want to go to live events because of the interaction, no matter even if you're live streaming, you're doing everything else. And I thought there'd be like a, a huge resurgence in it. And, you know, some events have done well. It sounds like Swiss, you know, did good and other events have been good. But I know on an individual level. You know, some people that normally do pretty good have had to, you know, cancel some events. And I just don't see as many people putting on other events as I would have expected. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people are now used to the live streaming and getting the information. And I also think there's a... We sound like the the grumpy old men again because we've (laughs) presented at so many conferences and been to so many... Like, we know what the experience is, yeah. but I get worried about coaches who are new and trainers who think that it's only about the information and, you know, why would I pay to go, say, to Swiss mm-hmm. when I can get the live stream for a fraction of the cost, I don't have to travel, I don't pay for a hotel, which I 100% totally understand is, is an expense and it is a pain in the ass, I 100% agree, but if you've never been to a live event and mm-hmm. you know hung out in the corridors and i remember years ago going to the one in la with <clears throat> dan john and eric cressy and john brardy and yep. you know probably like the first big live event i ever went to other than some of staley stuff mm-hmm. and then i remember dan, dan john at night saying yeah i'm gonna go hang out at the bar tonight from 8 to 12 anyone wants oh, to God. stop by just stop by i'm gonna be in the hotel bar yeah i'm like of course I'm going to be there. You know, yep. it was me and like four other dudes. I'm like, yeah. where the hell is everyone? Like, yeah. they're like, well, I don't know. I was kind of, I don't know. It's just weird. I think unless you've had those experiences, I think it's easy for you to just justify. Well, I'll just get the information and that'll be the same, which yeah. I don't think that it is. That man can drink. Oh my God. I don't know about no, now. No, I didn't back that. then, <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> He put me under a few times, him and his wife. Holy moly. But no, and that goes on to the other part of it. I mean, the other part about these live events, and I can tell you like 90% of my career in strength and conditioning is due to networking at said events. Mm-hmm. But like any, like most industries, it's, it's, it's in who you know. And being able to sit down, like you said, with Eric Cressy and Dan and, you know, all across the world going to this stuff. And then yeah. you start getting, and then guess what happens with that? Hey, yeah, stop by my place, you know, and then you yeah. get invited to stop by their place. And it's just making these friends and this breadth of knowledge and this vast uh, network that you have. And also with that, let's say the average Joe goes to the Swiss and they meet Jim and you talk to him. And you make a good influence. And then somebody reaches out to Jim, and you live in New Hampshire. And they're like, hey, Jim, I'm in New Hampshire. And blah, blah. Guess what Jim's going to do? Well, I met Joe Smith in New Hampshire. You should maybe drop him a line because I'm not mm-hmm. available in New Hampshire. That shit happens all the time. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's part of it is that networking. And then, like, we're talking about the after stuff. It's because when you're viewing the world how most people view it now, the strength world, Oddly enough, they're viewing it through an Internet lens, an Instagram and Twitter and everything lens. 
and these stars like Windler and Dave Tate and uh, Ed Cohn, they all seem super big and unapproachable to you. But once you meet them in person, like you're talking about Dan John, he's like, I'm going to be down in the hotel lobby drinking yeah. bourbon <laughs> at 7 o'clock. Come hang out. Yeah. Like, they're all very approachable if you treat them like a real person. And then that's yeah. where you get these nuggets. And they, they love just telling stories and uh, shooting the shit. So It's like a – just from in-person stuff in general, not like training or seminar-related, there's like a camaraderie that comes with showing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it's – you can't fake it. You know, I like if you've ever done – the cringy Zoom thing where they're like, let's go around the squares and introduce whatever that is. Yeah, I can't stand that. You know, there's 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 such a disconnect on that. And I think the camaraderie helps even like the learning process because you like feel comfortable and like you don't feel like you're just looking into a little you know square and, you know, figuring stuff out on your own. It feels like you're like in it in it together, essentially, like being in a classroom versus just like, yes. Online, yeah, you're part of that. Go ahead. I think you're part of that group now. No, you're there. There's a difference, you know. Like even if, like if you're a new trainer and you're like, hey, I listen to the Swiss online, or you're a new trainer and you post pictures of you with these people at the Swiss, which is going to help you more, which is going to give more clout to people that are watching you. Like nobody, every anybody can log online and watch a talk. You know, it shows that you had the, you just, you put it up, you put up the money and the time, you went there, and you educated yourself. Um, I don't know, that means something to me. So, I don't know. But Yeah, and I think from being on both sides, you know, even as a presenter, I know if, like, I'm at an event and presenting and somebody comes up with a question, I'll do whatever I can to make sure to try to answer their question because yeah. exactly of what you said. I know they paid the money. I know they paid for the hotel. I know they paid the conference fee. I know that they're probably pretty committed versus mm-hmm. some rando who sent me a message on Instagram who I don't even know, and it's 14 questions that are not simple questions that I, I don't know who you are. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know what your level of commitment is. It might be great. You know, you might be super genuine, but yeah. I it's very hard to vet those where when you're at a conference, you're like, okay, everybody paid to get here. Everyone had the same pain in the ass, the travel, especially OUS, you know, when you find people, you know, from different countries that, mm-hmm. that show up and, you know, presenting outside the U.S., you know, and having to go there and travel, which is amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. I love doing it, but yeah, it's just, it always just sucks getting there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then, I don't know, how much of it is, I mean, I don't know how to sugarcoat this or say it right. Like, our economy isn't the best right now. Yeah. So is it money that's causing these people not to show? Like, we have a numerous things happening. We have this pandemic thing that happened, and then we couple that off with, I was talking to some financial guy the other day, and the average American is six months behind on their bills. Oh. And, like, that's probably part of it, too. A little hard to go to a conference when you can't buy macaroni and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that's that's part of it. And, well, and then also other countries aren't – there are numerous other countries that aren't at the stage we are of just opening shit up still. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there were some Canadians at the Swiss thing. But, like, you have to be super vested to do that because, like, they had to come. They had to go to the Swiss. Like, they had no problem coming here. But then going home, they still have to, like, prove total vaccination status, like, quarantine yourself for a week or two when you come home, like, all kinds of weird shit. So that's like a commitment way beyond the financial and time commitment of a regular person to a regular event three years ago. So, I mean, and I can see that. That would totally scare me off. Like, I can't just fucking lose a month of my life to go to Swiss. (laughs) So you can see that or the Arnold, you know. So there's still people that just can't travel to things like that. But uh Yeah, and I can attest to by we'll say spending an extra eight days in Costa Rica <laughs> on my own dime for a false negative COVID test that yeah. yes, that's a real thing and Costa Rica was amazing, but 
I'm going to drop three grand. I'd love to see something <laughs> other than my hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. And that time you lost. And luckily. Oh, yeah. I mean, and luckily vast, I can work from there. You yes, know, that's what like, I'm saying. A vast majority of your work is done on, so you could still work, but there's a lot yeah. of people that can't. Oh, I know. You know they would lose all that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that part of it too. But, yeah, I don't know. And then same thing with, uh, you know, we've got, we've got the seminars and then training online. I know a lot of people, I've been talking to numerous people. Over the last two years, a lot of people moved to online training. Rightly so. Like we had to there for a minute. Like everybody had to pivot fast or you were going underwater uh, when we when America shut down. But I think that also opened a lot of people's eyes up just like it did corporate America. Like there's a lot of big, big businesses that just, hey, well, maybe we don't need that skyscraper. Mm. These people are just as efficient at home. And there's a lot of gym owners that maybe I don't need that big space. You know, if I can make 80 percent of my income I was making before and not own a big-ass gym and have the expense of that, uh, there's a lot of switch going on. Like I was talking to, I'm not going to say their name, I was talking to a prominent trainer in California that was like he's potentially going to pivot away from his very lucrative position, uh, making great money in Southern California, and go online uh, if it works out because – then he doesn't have to live. Like the reason he lives in LA is because the price he can demand for training people and it outweighs the cost. But like he could move to fricking Topeka, Kansas and pay one eight <laughs> and still, you know, if he can pull in 90% of what he was, he's killing it. You know? So, and then you don't have the cleanup. You don't have the, I, I can understand it to a bit, but there's downfalls to that too. Like I don't mind online training. I do it. But I still very much prefer in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just there's a different there's something you can get out of person in person training that you can't. Like I, we all know it. I mean, like I have to I have to forecast better on my online training and things like that. And we can't do those like in person training. We'll make daily changes from what I see right there in person, and that's not just form changes. You know, it's easier to make form changes, of course. But like if somebody's having a killer day, we can we can kind of push it more. And I can't see that killer day in time. And like you're texting me, and I'm <laughs> doing something else. Like, hey, I just did this. It was fucking amazing. Look at this video. I'm not going to answer you back in 15 seconds. So you can hit no. another set. You know, it's not realistic. So, but but there's also, a lot going on. How often is it that an athlete they it feels amazing to them on their own? Yes. Yes. And then you see it, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, what was that? <laughs> yeah, or the opposite. Like, how often? <laughs> yeah. Shut it down. Like, oh God, that was fucking horrible. And it's like, no, yeah. it wasn't, dude. You threw that shit up. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, both of yeah. those. So. I would say that, I mean, I don't know if it's dangerous. I mean, a lot of people refer to, like, coaching in general as, like, an art and a science. If it's just online. That's your only experience. The art is completely lost. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like you, you're not, there's no flexibility. There's no, I mean, you have to stick pretty close to the plan and like, and I've never seen it work out better than in person. And I've even, and I ask myself this sometimes too, but like, just as a hypothetical, so you have the perfect training program per just absolutely perfect and you gave it to someone on like to do on their own online with you know online feedback which is usually like once a week twice a week something like that yep versus a subpar training program in person yes like who would come out like which athlete would you have two people you know we'll say 10 and 10 mm-hmm. you gotta go into each program who would come out better and every time i ask myself that i still like i still am like the People who go in and do a subpar training program, as long as it's like in the neighborhood of like what they're supposed to be, like if you join a powerlifting program and they're like, yeah, we're not going to do any of those lifts, but you're going to get you know stronger no matter what or something like that. Then yeah, obviously, but it has, as long as it's within the wheelhouse, you can be doing some kind of silly training and get way more out of that experience in general, like overall, like all the life benefits. 
all that comes from yep. showing up like that. I think that's an inescapable part of training. Well, yeah. And then there's the atmosphere as well. Like, I can't tell you how many times people have like, they travel to my gym and like crush PRs and I did nothing magical to them. Like I'm, uh, I did nothing. Basically they just, they traveled and they went into a new environment that they're excited about. It's much like going to a meet. Like, like I do it a meet and I know I'm good for 10% because I'm out of fucking meat and there's people screaming and yelling and I'm hyped up for it and it's go time. They, you get that same, same thing out of a gym. Uh, you have the right people around you. The, the atmosphere, you feed off the atmosphere. Uh, and you hit greater numbers in that. And you don't, you just don't get that in the, in your home gym. Now that can be a curse and a blessing. Um, like for a long time, I totally trained alone in my own garage. And then my feedback at a meet was probably even larger uh, because I was used to this just very controlled environment by myself. And then the crowd there at a meet would be – it would get me super amped because um, I'm not used to that at all. Whereas now i got training partners that will get me up and things like that. But, uh, you know, the environmental thing is, is a big part of it too, which you just can't get – like, okay, Phil's on the other side of his phone somewhere, and he'll look <laughs> at this at some point, you know. Uh and that's not, I'm not saying online training's bad. They both have their gives and takes. And I mean, it's awesome for, for good coaches to have a, a greater impact because you can cross state lines and country lines and things like that easily. Um, but no doubt, I 100% agree. Like if all my athletes that were online could just come train in house, I think they would get better. I know they would get better progress. I don't think, you know, we would make some adjustments that would help. Uh, it's just, it's just what it is. But I, I'm also realistic. Like not everybody's going to move to Kansas to train with me. And now they can't anyways, cause I closed my fucking gym. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I am like, I'm sitting here kind of poo pooing online training where, and that's 99% of what I do now. So I'm not trying to say it's like totally bad, but I think, uh, the right coach in the right gym in person is is better, but uh, yeah. Look, I mean I would know. agree with that too. But it's do you have that person? Are they in your area? Is it affordable? Are you going to be able to get to that person? Yeah, you know. And so even I just God, it's probably been what twelve, thirteen years now. I've been doing online stuff. I didn't start doing it again. I did in person for for a while, but I didn't do online until I said I'm gonna have some system of figuring out, you know, what is their overall stress? What is their nutrition? What is their lifestyle? What is their sleep? What is their training? Yeah. And I'm going to do all of that because yeah. to me, I think that's where potential higher value of online training is. Mm -hmm. I think most of the people I was working with, especially back 10 years ago, I saw some of the programs that they were doing because initially I didn't want to do online. Mm -hmm. And I had people send me the program of what they were doing. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is horrible. It wasn't just bad. It was I'm like, are you even working with a coach now? They're like, no. I'm like, oh, yeah. God. You know, <laughs> yeah. so at some point you have to look at, well, it's definitely light years ahead of what they were doing before. <laughs> yeah. Look, there, that can have that can be a huge impact. And you can still have some camaraderie to stuff like having, you know, events and seminars where you get everyone together or for like weightlifting, you know, every national meets an opportunity to kind of get together and hang out and stuff. And if you have a really terrible coach or a program that you're following, an online coach could be much better than that for yes. sure. Yes. Like, and there, look, there are a lot of just not good coaches out there, like just not good <laughs> coaches and programs. <laughs> Who immediately go online too. That's the other thing. A, yeah. a good coach who goes, a good coach who just goes straight to online, I think is setting themselves up for failure. I, I, as a coach, I think you should start in person. You need to see right. a lot of stuff, yeah. you know, for a few years before you go online because you're, you're, you know, cheating yourself and other people of a full experience because you have to understand what, like, what people are saying, you need to see what people say to you and then what you see compared to that and like see that yes. a lot. Like, yes. which 
a lot of people's like perception of what they're doing and lifting is just not good, you know. And oh, it takes yeah. a long and then time you're to stuck like, to camera angles and everything else, whereas in person, yeah, we can well, you can. It's very often stuff. I move around somebody. Do that again. I need to move over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can see if what I'm seeing is real. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of that you miss. And like you said, I think it's, yeah, I think if you've done nothing but online training, you can probably notice the results difference in people, uh, that do that. I'll, I'll say this too is like, uh, you, you don't hear it as much from powerlifters, but like it's almost better if they have like, we'll say it's like the gym in their area. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't know what else was out there. I just went to the gym and the yeah. coach. Yeah. And then I just did what they told me for however long. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know anything else. Like, there's there's an overwhelm, con, you know, concept to, like, being online and having all access to all these online programs versus picking a thing and just shutting up and going with it for, like, a length of time. Yeah. And it's harder to do that when you don't just show up in person. Like you, it's really easy to, oh, maybe I need a little bit of this, a little bit of that, or whatever. Yeah. Well, and then it's what's that saying about the whole a a poor program done with intensity is better than the the best program, you know, that somebody kind of candy asses through. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's that part too. I mean, like if you just get in the go into the right gym with the right people. And even if your training's not the best and you guys just fucking work hard, yeah. you're going to get a long ways. You know, <laughs> you're going to make it yeah. a long ways. I mean, that's, that's really 80% of the work. 80% of the work is just fucking, there's no easy way to get strong. Um, you just got to put the work in. Uh, like I'd say 75% of my strength was dumb built doing dumb shit and just doing dumb shit vigorously. and then i reached a certain point and i had to get smarter you know to make further progress but i mean yeah so yeah i don't know i mean at least we're seeing meats and stuff again i I don't think you're we haven't gotten that far to where it's like virtual meats are have become the big thing which god i hope they don't Mm -hmm. well i'll I'll say this us usaw has like we it's hard for us to find local meats right now, mm-hmm. and they have, and they're still doing it. I think they have every month they have like the online qualifiers, so you can qualify online. Really, for uh, national meats and wow. yeah. What do you do? Just put up a video and they judge it. Yep, put up a video. Oh, man, um, that's see, that's cheating out of athletes. Because how do you know that this dude didn't rest like? Like, he could have tried that attempt, like, 73 times. Yeah. <laughs> and well, missed it 72 times. Exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing. So, you and you, like, even in weightlifting, how important is, like, weight classes and how yeah. goofy are scales and stuff. Like, but, yeah, like, it, I thought it was going to end after, like, all the stuff. Um, I follow the quarantine stuff. But it persisted. And they have, like, even now, there's a November online qualifier. And so it's like you can qualify for national meets and weightlifting online. So why even uh, go? That seems like a way to just kill your meats. And like a large percentage of their income has to come from meats. I would imagine so. I would think. Like if I had yeah. the choice, if I was freaking, you know, looking to qualify for nationals and I could do it at my own gym and have 27 shots. Like that's what makes meats hard. And that's what people don't understand until they do one. It's relatively easy to hit a weight one time in the gym when you're just feeling amazing. Like, hey, I'll feel fucking great today. I'm going to go squat 800. So, and you do it. It's really hard to squat 800 at noon on December 12th with three <laughs> judges. You know, <laughs> like there's, you can't fake that shit. What's the, what are the, like, like Dan John always talks about 10% of your days are shit days. 10% are good days. 80% are just average. Mm-hmm. What's the chances that you're that December twelfth noon, that's going to be one near ten percent of great days? It's low. It's well, it's ten percent. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a lot. It's just I don't know. That seems bad idea to me. Like meets should be done in person. I could I understand the online stuff for camaraderie and things like that, but not as a 
throw one for fun and let people come together and just see what they do, not as a qualify for an actual nationals event. That seems bad to me because if I was an athlete, I'd just go that route. Why fucking spend my money to travel to North Carolina to do a qualifying meet or whatever it is yeah. and have to hit that lift at a certain place at a certain time? Like, I'll just always have the camera running. Once I hit that total, I'm posting that shit. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, but look, like I said, there's, but that's like, there's a bunch, you know, and it's these giant meats. And that's like kind of what they do now. Like, and, and look, even looking at, I'm clicking around the website right now, but, so there's online qualifier and there's other, you know, lit meats and stuff. But if you go down to like your area, man, there is like way less meats overall in our area right now. Mm. Like just in general, like, so it's, I mean, they obviously like kind of shifted to doing it this way. And there was some success like with one, but they do it. They offer it every month. So it's, there's a November online qualifier december online qualifier i'm sure there'll be a january one you know so weightlifting is or usaw has kind of moved towards that and look i i don't really like it like they did i had a girl come here to do she did uh over basically the quarantine stuff she did paying ams online like and they had to do a zoom and let me tell you that was a mess but <laughs> it was a like international zoom lift and like where we had to you know follow the clocks you know and stuff like that oh boy it was it was tough like i you know and i was like trying to help her out with stuff and it was a weird experience we'll call it that but they tried to run it like it was a in-person meet just online but these are literally just you know post your videos and you know those totals get approved or not approved almost not quite as goofy as like CrossFit, but in the neighborhood. Yeah, but I mean, do you have to have like, like at least CrossFit, like the owners are supposed to be watching these people doing the, the open and like verifying their results. Like, is there a coach in person with this thing? Like, is there judges? Like, don't submit that video. You lost, you know, but it sounds like you can just submit any video you want and then the judges online <laughs> do it. You know what I'm saying? There's no, yeah, there's no in-person feedback to tell you, dude, you suck. <laughs> no, that's not a good lift. So, uh. yeah, and they're and they're slated as like uh, local meats, right? So if you look at the meat type in um, the registration, it's slated as a local meat, and they usually have like a, you know, Colorado or whatever. So somebody local is running it. Yeah, in, in some way, shape, or form, but yeah, yeah, this, yeah, that's they moved towards, it and I'm look, I'm not a fan of it for sure, like, and it's kind of messed up, you know, just showing up and beating people. Plus, I feel like that's you really beat someone if you showed up and you beat them. You know what I mean? Yes, and how many? Like, I've had athletes. Like, there are a lot of athletes that are plus ten percent meat lifters. Like, they do 10% better than me. But there are definitely lifters. Lep was one of them. There's, like, a negative 10% meat lifter. <laughs> so you bring her to a meet, and she will do 10% less. It's just the way it goes. She'll crush shit in the gym. So that's just a way to, like, she could then qualify. Like, she had to bust her ass to qualify for the American Open Finals. Um, yeah. She could have done it easily several years prior to that if we'd have posted totals in the gym. You know? <laughs> Because uh, she has stage fright and things like that. That is a, I mean, stepping up in front of a crowd, in front of three judges at this time in this date is way different. You know, unbelievably different. And it can be good or bad. So, um, yeah, seems like a bad idea to me, but I do not support it. <laughs> Just, so but who am I? Yeah, it, I don't know. So, so in that it, world, but it seems yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, so it is happening. It's, Kind of come. I I don't know if USAW is gonna like keep it. We're still like, USAW still has board issues. Literally, just there's some drama with board stuff now about picking a CEO or whatever. But 
well, weightlifting in general seems kind of fucked up right now. International level and everything, but yeah. get, getting kicked out of the Olympics and all that. But all right. okay, well, it's a good show. We'll call it a day there. <laughs> so, <laughs> the resounding theme is we're not a fan of uh, internet stuff. Well, I wouldn't say that. We're just more of a fan of in-person stuff. Like if you can yeah. get to the event, go to the event. It's going to yeah. be worth your time. You know, if you can go to the in-person training, do it. I understand if you don't, you'll still get good training, but, uh, or at least stop in periodically and stop in and like, I get shit from this from other coaches. Like I tell my lifters to go visit other coaches. Like go have a day, go lift with them. Yeah. But you're going to learn shit. <laughs> and there are a lot of lift coaches that aren't like, that. oh, they get pissed off with you. Oh, you went over and saw him. Oh my God, you're an asshole. It's like, no, you know, then. Do it. Learn from more people. That's what I tell people. I learned, like, if I had just learned from Wendler, I'd be a poor copy of Wendler. You know, go learn from a thousand people. You know, and learn from as many people as you can. So, yeah. I'd say then take that information, test it out, compare it to your yes. principles, and then see what works. Because yeah. I think the flip side to that is, this isn't what you were saying, but there's people who collect information and they think the more info they collect, the better they'll be. But when yeah. they go to apply it, it's just like a shit soup. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so no application. You got to filter yeah. along the way. <laughs> yes. Well, there's, yeah, there was a point in time where I just, I quit reading things and yeah. I quit talking to people because I had all this fucking information and I just needed to put it on the street. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to take a couple years and put all this information and just test it. You know? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there's there's that part of it, too. But All right, guys. Good stuff. Everybody have a wonderful weekend, and we will catch you next week. See you.